Welcome into NSN Daily here on a Monday. Julian Delgadio and Brian Samudio with you. We're going to get to Jay Norvell's press conference here very, very shortly. Talk to some of his players as well. Toa Tawa and Burdell Robbins scheduled to uh, take the microphone. Chris Murray will also join us from Lawler Event Center. But we're hearing now that Jay Norvell is at the microphone. Let's go to Lawler Event Center and his weekly press conference. Versus New Mexico. Um, this is a team with a very physical roster. Um, and they really rely on that on both sides of the ball. Um, they love to run the football. Uh, they have a big, strong quarterback in, in, uh, in Chambers, number 12. Uh, Valade, their running back, is one of the better backs in our conference. Um, and they really try to lean on their running game offensively. Um, they don't turn the ball over. Uh, and they're fairly conservative in their attack. Uh, defensively, they're very strong up front. They're stout in their run defense. Um, they have one of the one of the leaders in, in minus yardage plays and sacks, uh, and they have an excellent young freshman in Solomon Bird, defensive end, who's very talented. Uh, they're well coached on special teams, strong in the return game, and so uh, we have to really be alert and, and, and on top of our game at all three phases. Um, you know, this is another important road challenge. Um, we're going we're gonna to play at 12 noon mountain time, which is 11 o'clock our time. So it's an early start this week, which is a good thing. And it's an important bounce back for us. You know, we as a team, we, we got to take accountability for, for our play. Uh, as, as coaches, we got to we got to demand accountability and and uh, mental toughness, and we got to rise up and be ready to compete on Saturday. And and so, uh, you know, in our film studies today, and and as we hit the practice field tomorrow, uh, that's where our focus is going to be. Injuries are a part of every football season, but do you feel this year you've been bit especially hard by the bug at all compared to others? I just think it's it's uh, it's been. One of those years, uh, um, whether it's injuries or inexperience, that's showing on Saturdays. Uh, you know, at times we're able to tie it together pretty well and get quality performances from guys. Um, and then other times we struggle, uh, whether it's communication or uh, technique. You know, we struggle at times with, with some of our, uh, our immaturity and, and, and then with some of our continuity, you know, with some of the good players that we've lost, you know, uh, you know, losing Jake Nelson hurts. He was a leader of our union, um, and we haven't really recovered from that fully. Um, you know, not having your best defensive back and Daniel Brown and Lucas Weber, senior captain. You know, those are hard guys to replace. And uh, but at the same time, you know, everybody's going through it this time of year. Uh, we have to just find a better way to adjust and and to do the things that we have to do on Saturday to give us a chance to win. And and in in some ways we did that. I thought our defensive kids responded. I, I mean we were flying around, getting turnovers. Uh, Burdell Robbins probably played his best game as a member uh, of the Wolfpack, and was really proud of him for stepping up. Um, we had several defensive players play very well um, our linebackers as a group played very well um, and so we're certainly capable you know I think the teams are, that are remain on our schedule um, I think we match up more favorably uh, than 
probably some of the teams that we've played. Um, you know, our strengths match up to their weaknesses, I guess, better. And, um, you know, at this time of the year, I've had a chance to watch many of those teams on film. And so I'm confident we can, we can make the adjustments that we need to make to play better. Um, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge every week. It's going to be a competitive challenge. These are going to be really physical games. This game is going to be a real physical game. This team relies on physicality, um, and they do a good job. They got big, strong players in, in, in the trenches, and um, you know we're going to have to respond to that. Uh, we're going to have to play better up front. The union is going to have to respond, and um, and and to the challenge of the game. So, um, you know, hoping hoping to get Kelton back. I I don't know. Uh, how he's going to respond. He's got an ankle um, that, that put him out. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, certainly, you know, we, get, we, we need him as another senior captain that really helps us productively. But, but more importantly, his leadership on Saturdays are really important. And, and so, you know, we've, we've lost three real critical leaders in guys like Jake Nelson and Lucas Weber and when Kelton's out. So, um, we've got to respond and, and continue to mature and, uh, and just understand, um, you know, we, we can't put ourselves in tough situations, especially on the road. You know, the penalties are inexcusable, um, and we've got to do a better job of that. And, and, and it's, really, uh, it's really not one phase of our game. It's, a, it's different guys kind of taking turns, uh, making simple mistakes. And uh, and that's just we do we have to do a better job of collective focus there offensively to get the type of execution we need. You mentioned penalties at the tail end there. What goes into trying to coach that up and improve that? Category? It's just uh, it's just accountability. Uh, every position, for doing their job. Um, you know we have to understand the environment of the game. Um, you know and it's different playing on the road than it is at home. It's it's you know there you have to deal with different factors, noise, whatever. Um, and the communication's got to be better. And so, you know, sometimes when you have inexperienced players, they don't communicate as properly as they should. And, uh, and we've, we've dealt with that. And some of these losses, uh, we've had poor communication, whether it be our center, our quarterback, or our, our interior line, you know, some of the young guys that are playing in those spots. So um, that has to be better. And, uh, We've made some adjustments and and scheme and try to simplify things for them, and we'll continue to do that. But you know, it's our job to get that that kind of execution and, and fundamental play from our guys, and we have to do a better job of that. And that's on us. I'm guessing you'll flip the practice schedule back. Is there, is there a challenge in that kind of messing with the guys? No, not at all. I thought it was good. Uh, I thought it was a good change up in the middle of the year to. to Give the guys some extra rest last week. Um, you know, I thought we were I thought we were fresh and ready to play. Um, you know, we play in the morning, so we'll go back to our morning schedule. And uh, you know, we got five games left. Um, you know, and it's really important this time of year just to kind of get in a groove and, and get in a routine and stay with it. Uh, and we'll do that and and try to get them uh, really dialed in on on the execution that they need to play in the weekly rhythm of that and so um you know we'll, we'll we'll settle back into that tomorrow morning 
Jane Orvell's weekly press conference from uh, Lawler Event Center after Nevada's 36-10 loss uh, to Utah State out on the road. We'll dip back into the press conference here in a second when uh, Toa Tao and Burdell Robbins uh, take the microphone. But, uh, Julian, just your initial thoughts on this one. For me, it, it just kind of started sliding downhill quickly. I mean, Nevada moves the ball down the field on their first drive, have to settle for a field goal shooting themselves in the foot, and then the kickoff return for a touchdown, and it completely shifted the momentum to Zell Yeah, that really was the case, in fact. I mean, that was their best drive of the game, the opening one. They're at the one-yard line. They get a false start call on them. They have to settle for three points, and, you know, Brandon Talton's been fantastic all year long, but then you get back on special teams, they return at 100 yards, and it completely shifted the momentum of this game. And, you know, you look at it, and... You know, Coach Norvell just said it best. The, the penalties are inexcusable. They had 13 penalties for 110 yards in this one. Their offensive line was responsible for eight of those penalties, which, you know, cost them another 60 yards. And then you think about the injuries that happened in this matchup. You know, no Lucas Weber, who is a leader on that defense. He's a linebacker for this team. He came back that a lot of guys didn't think he was going to come back this year even to play. Gabe Sewell goes down with the targeting call. That was a, a huge momentum swing there. And then you're without Daniel Brown, your best DB on this team. Burdell Robbins did step up. He had one interception, one fumble recovery, but, you know, just not enough. Utah State really kind of ran away with it. They had all of the momentum in their corner in this offense. Just couldn't find a rhythm, really. On third down, they were 4 of 18, and, you know, they had a, about 11 straight drives where it was just 3 and out, 3 and out, 3 and out, and the ball just didn't seem like it was moving at all for Nevada. Um, you know, Brian, you think about this. It's kind of been quarterback week to week. It's been changing. What do you see moving forward? I mean, do you do you go with Malik Henry? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm torn on this. Uh, I want to know if Carson Strong is healthy. That's what I want to know. And I don't know that he is completely healthy. Uh, I was a bit surprised to see Malik Henry come out and um, start the second half of this one. Maybe give a guy a chance to to watch from the sidelines a little bit. Chris Holt used to do that with some of his guys. He even sat Colin Kaepernick before and gone, hey, you need to take a look at what's going on, what they're doing to you, and this is why this is happening. So maybe it would have been good to get Malik uh, on the sideline for a few minutes to kind of watch what was going on. But at the same time, I don't know if Strong is healthy. And if he, if he was healthy, um, I'm, I'm surprised that we didn't see a bit of a change. Just 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 switch things up. I mean, it just they got into this this rut of three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, but give Utah State credit; they ran for 244 yards on the ground. Jordan Love didn't need to throw the ball, and he wasn't great throwing the ball. He was 13 of 31 for a buck 69, a touchdown, and a pick. So um, at the same time, you know, Malik Henry was 17 of 38, 213, did not throw a touchdown, threw two interceptions in this one. So. Uh, all phases of the game, there were there were problems, and it's not something that can't be fixed. I mean, you, you go on the road now, and you get Wyoming up in Laramie, which is a difficult place to play, but it's going to be a day game. So, And I don't think that the weather affected Nevada in this one at all. I saw Caleb Fossum and a bunch of guys walking around beforehand in the snow with their shirts off. I mean, it's just a mentality. Hey, what a, no big deal. But moving forward, this is a team that you mentioned all these names. You, we, we, we keep forgetting about Jake Nelson. I mean, you're playing without your left you left tackle. You're playing out without your best offensive lineman right now. So um, injuries piling up a little bit, and there is some inexperience behind those starters. Yeah, and Jake Nelson, the only senior on that offensive line. You, you miss guys like Austin Corbett, you know, looking down the stretch for, for this O-line. It gives them a, more of a pocket presence. You mm -hmm. know, I think Nevada's also a little confused as to whether or not they're going to be a grounded-pound team with Toa Tawa, just handing it off to him, you know, 10, 15 times a game, seeing what he could do, or being more air raid dominant. And I think that they've also struggled with just, you know, holding the ball and, and having 
successful yards down the field more than uh, you know a couple couple of games down the stretch here. But yeah, Nevada really it wasn't their worst loss of the year. I think that they can learn a lot from this one, but the offense really just didn't look um, explosive or, or relevant really for three quarters of this one. Yeah. So up next, the Wyoming Cowboys in Laramie. You and Rez will be making the trip up to Wyoming for this one, and we'll uh, be talking about this game all week long. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, though, we will go back to the Nevada Press Conference and check in with a couple of the players, Toa Tawa and Burdell Robbins, scheduled to take the microphone. Welcome back to NSN Daily here on a Monday. The uh, press conference continues on. We'll uh, go back over to Lala Event Center right now where Burdell Robbins, junior defensive back who stepped up and had a heck of a game against Utah State, has taken the microphone. Let's go live. Getting through that, just getting off of a loss, it'll be easy for me. And I try to get that same encouragement and same energy to my teammates. So. Felt like he has lost a couple of starters in Lucas and uh, yeah, Tumor for, for a long time. Uh, you know, Daniel had to set up this game. Is this an opportunity for the second string guys to kind of show what they can do and, and maybe work their way into the rotation a little more? Um, yeah. Um, it was, it was kind of uh, bittersweet to watch because knowing that those guys won't be here next year, a lot of them, and we stepped up, um, pretty much played a good game despite the end. So I, I felt pretty good about that. Anything else for Burdell? Okay, thank you. Uh, Burdell Robbins, uh, kind of uh, short of uh, speech there at the uh, microphone. They kind of gave him, uh, cut him, cut him loose a little bit early, and uh, Toa Tower. We're still waiting for him to arrive. And he, you know, I've heard a ton about this player, about Burdell Robbins, and to finally see him now on the field and get a chance. And unfortunately, it's when somebody else goes down with an injury. Sometimes it happens, but uh, to see him now get his chance on the field is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, next man up, right? All these injuries that have plagued this team throughout this season. Daniel Brown goes down, but really a great showing for Burdell Robbins, an interception and a fumble recovery. The defense did keep this team in this game until the fourth quarter where they gave up two touchdowns. But, you know, it's, it's still uh, a number of things you could really talk about that's wrong on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball as well as special teams. I think what really stuck out for me, Nevada is 21st in the country for time of possession. But what have they really done with that time of possession in all of their losses? I mean, they've been to the red zone 23 times this season. They've gotten 20 scores out of it. Out of those 20, 10 of those are just field goals. Yeah. you got to score touchdowns if you want to win football games. And, you know, frankly, they're just not doing that in pivotal moments. And we saw that in the first drive against Utah State. Yeah, as much as I like seeing Brandon Talton become a midseason All-American by ESPN as a true walk-on freshman who's now under scholarship, uh, I'd rather see Toa Tawa in the end zone or I'd like to see Avanti Lee or, or Elijah Cooks, somebody else in the end zone. But uh, also the emergence of Rom Romeo Dubs continues. Four catches, 80 yards. He did not find, find the end zone in this one. But, uh, you know, to me, Nevada's run defense is going to be tested greatly over the next few weeks because you look at a Wyoming team that's going to try and punch in the mouth and they're going to try and do it at home. It's going to be a, a, a hopefully, I'm hoping for your sake, because poor Jenna and Shannon got the, the cold end of the stick mm -hmm. by having to go to, uh, to Logan where it was snowing. Hopefully it's a beautiful day in Wyoming and they can right the ship that way. But we keep talking about these guys going down. And you look at them, and a lot of them are seniors. A lot of them are guys that, that, that are not just leaders on the field. They're leaders in that locker room. And it's, it's, like you said, it's next man up. That's what happens in sports. Is somebody gets hurt, someone goes down, someone graduates. 
somebody else needs to step up and play. You've got 100 guys on your roster for a reason. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, just the, the loss of Lucas Weber alone with an ankle, and I know that um, Daniel Brown suffering from a concussion or a, a head injury, I would mm -hmm, say. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that that was a concussion based on just the replays that we saw against San Jose State. But, you know, Nevada has to overcome some obstacles. I know uh, Coach Norvell's only won five road games in his tenure at Nevada, and, you know, it's it's not going to get easier. You go to Wyoming, a place that has won, I believe, 10 or 11 in a row in their building, and, uh, you know, it's going to be cold. But they're used to the cold. Reno's cold. Well, you would hope so. I mean, and I, I was on the sidelines doing ESPN radio for that for that last game against San Jose State, and yeah, they were checking Daniel Brown's eyes and kind of checking everything, making sure he was he was cognizant and understood where he was and everything. And then they took his helmet away and said, you know, you're done for the day. Uh, Wyoming, when it comes to, uh, if you want more good news, uh, the ESPN um, Power Football Index has Wyoming as a 90% chance uh, of winning this game. Spread is out at 13 and a half. Nevada, 13 and a half point, uh, two touchdown underdog out on the road, but. Uh, when it comes to Wyoming, I mean, Chambers Chambers has been, when he does connect, it seems like it's always on a big play. Their, their, their quarterback, who's 46 of 112 for 757 on the year, five touchdowns, only two picks. But he's also their best runner. I mean, he's 547 yards on the ground, and he can beat you with his legs. So a dual-threat quarterback, and that's where losing Gabriel Sewell for the first half of this game with that targeting call is going to hurt you because Gabe Sewell always seems to draw that responsibility of being the guy who's the spy, has to spy an athletic quarterback, and that's one of these things that Chambers can do. And, uh, you know, it's got to be next guy up. And I would imagine right now, if not because the team's going through meetings and they don't practice today, they will practice tomorrow morning, Chris Murray will be out at that, is that somebody's going to find out real quick, hey, guess what? You're going to be the guy who has to spy Chambers, and it's a big responsibility. Yeah, and I think a lot of these kids really embrace that opportunity. You know, it's not very many schools you can go as a freshman or a sophomore and get actual playing time early on in a, in a game, and I think that that's a big selling point for the Wolfpack. But, you know, like you're saying, you lose two linebackers that are the pedigree of Sewell and Weber on this defense, your best defensive back, and... You know, it's it's one thing to talk about the defense. You got all the issues with the offense and, you know, the revolving door at quarterback that it's been the last couple of weeks. And it's it's really impressive, you know, in a lot of ways that they are four and three, that they are two games technically out of becoming bowl eligible. And they're still, you know, producing a pretty good product. You know, it's either going to be a, a close game where they win in the final seconds or uh, it's it's been kind of. Uh, a null, you know, in their losses, but uh, it's definitely entertaining to watch, to say the least. And you know, you gotta hope for the best against Wyoming. I know that Nevada is going to go in there and give them their best shot, but you know, we'll we'll see how it happens. Thirteen and a half, like you were saying, Wyoming favored in that one. Utah State favored by twenty-one. I don't think either of us thought that Nevada would lose by twenty-one points in this one. Mm -hmm. And you know, for three quarters of it, they weren't losing by twenty-one points. I so. thought the spread was high. I mm -hmm. thought the spread was high, but I'm, I can understand why now a thirteen and a half on the road. I mean, Wyoming's five and two. You look at their resume, they have a Power 5 win. They beat Missouri to start off their season 37-31. Then you beat Texas State, who's you know a lower-tier school. I beat Idaho 21-16, lose to Tulsa 24-21, blast UNLV 53-17, and then lose to San Diego State by 4, and then you beat New Mexico by 13. So Wyoming has only taken really one team to the woodshed this year. So but if you're Nevada, you kind of have to go, you know, if this is a team that we can beat, you have to understand this is going to be, we're going to see different numbers on the field 
this weekend, we're going to see different numbers on the field for the rest of the year, meaning you've got guys that aren't going to come back. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lucas Weber, we're hearing the ankle was broken. Mm -hmm. uh, I was literally standing outside the locker room after the San Jose State game, and they had to carry him in the locker room. So we don't know if that is actually confirmed that that injury happened in the San Jose State game where it was broken, if that's what it is, or if it happened in a practice mm -hmm. because we've heard it may have happened in a practice as well. So um, we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated as well as we can uh, on that. But we're going to move on. Toatau has not approached the, uh, approached the microphone just yet, but we're going to move on in our coverage here. And we'll check in with Chris Murray here shortly, but uh, later on down the line also going to check in with uh, Wolfpack Men's Basketball. A nice win over the weekend, taking on Cal State East Bay. But up next, it will be Chris Murray joining us here on NSN Daily. And it's in daily rolling on on your Monday. Uh, we found out that uh, Toa Tawa was unavailable because of some meetings being shifted. Uh, these players are they're student athletes. They have to be in a number of meetings as well as fitting their classes. So uh, Toa was not available today, unfortunately. But uh, a lot of things uh, to juggle, right? right? A lot of things to juggle. So we're going to juggle with Chris Murray, who's uh, over at Lawler Event Center. Chris uh, just got out of the press conference. Uh, what, did, what was your takeaway from this one after Nevada's 36 to 10 loss at Utah State? Um, I, I mean, they're banged up. I mean, y you can look at the level of play right now, but Nevada's also going to have to overcome a lot of injuries. I mean, they've lost two defensive starters in Cameron Toomer and Lucas Weber for the season with ankle surgeries. Uh, Kelton Moore uh, has an ankle injury. Uh, Romeo Dubs, we saw him hit his head uh, against a knee against Utah State, has a head injury. Daniel Brown, who's the best cornerback on this team, has a head injury. So uh, we're going to have to see a lot of backups step up. And I thought you saw that actually against Utah State. I think uh, Burdell Robbins played really, really well. I think Malik Brody played really, really well at, at linebacker. Uh, I thought Nev Nevada's defense uh, as a whole played really, really well. And it'll be curious to see. Uh, what Nevada does with its offense moving forward. Coach Norvell said he hasn't made a decision on who will start at quarterback uh, and is looking uh, at his options and will make a decision uh, before tomorrow's practice. So I'm just curious to see where they go there. Uh, I mean, everybody's had their chance. They've all played really well in their first start. Uh, Carson Strong against Purdue, Christian Solano against UTEP, Malik Henry against San Jose State, but they haven't been able to replicate that uh, in their second exposure, as I'm calling it, because Christian Solano didn't start against Hawaii, but he played a pretty good amount. And uh, I think Nevada's just still waiting for somebody to take this job uh, and move forward with it and say, you know, I'm the starting quarterback of this team. Now, it goes beyond that. The offensive line has not played well. Um, but the Wolfpack, w when it has uncertainty at quarterback like it does right now, it's going to be kind of hard to settle into a rhythm uh, and move forward and, and beat some of these better opponents that Nevada is facing on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to get a litmus test on – on, on quarterbacks when, when the offensive line is, is, is as banged up and, and has as pro many problems as it's had so far this season. You lose Jake Nelson. Uh, Tyler Rossini has taken over, uh, appears to have taken over at center. Um, I mean, you've got a former defensive lineman and a former tight end that are basically learning the position of offensive line in a very, very short amount of time, and that's not a reasonable request. What do you think can be done, if anything, so that Nevada – I mean, you're, you're four and three. There's a team that's still – can be looking at a bowl season this year, but uh, when you have an offensive line that's, that is struggling, it's got a tough time going right now, what can you do? Yeah, I think you simplify things, which is what they've done, and you try and make it easier for the offensive line, and I think that's what they've tried to do by trying to run the ball uh, a little bit more than they would normally want to do it and then try and do play action off of that. That worked really well against San Jose State, but when they face a better run defense like they did at Utah State, and if you're not able to run the ball, you're putting yourself into third and longs, which is what we saw. Nevada was not uh, able to convert a lot of those. I think it's going to be a very similar situation with Wyoming. Wyoming's defensive line is very strong. They really hold up against the run, um, so 
we'll see if Nevada can get Toa Tao going and then try and play off of that. I think that's a smart formula, uh, but it's not the ideal situation you want to be in. I mean, you even look at the Utah State game, I would say more than 50% of the snaps were low. So you're already kind of working from a position of weakness right when the, the play starts because it, it's not a smooth snap. And then you look at all of the um, penalties that the offensive line had. I mean, Nevada had 13 penalties against Utah State, eight of them on the offensive line accounting for 60 yards. Nevada has the third most penalties per game this season. The Wolfpack doesn't have the kind of talent to overcome those issues uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and it will be curious if there's any resentment forming from the defense. Now, Burdell Robbins came up and said, you know, we're not pointing fingers and all of that kind of stuff, but the defense played well enough to beat Utah State. I thought they played really, really well, but the special teams and the offense didn't hold up their end of the bargain. So I think, you know, still seven games into the season, like you said, four and three. Nevada can still win seven, eight games, but they're going to have to play a lot better than they have. We've kind of been saying that the entire season is the Wolfpack's record is better than how they've played this season, so it gives them an opportunity uh, to go out and have an eight-win season, but they're going to have to play better uh, than they have been to beat Wyoming on the road, to beat Fresno State on the road, to beat San Diego State on the road. Uh, so those are the difficult games. But I, I still think this is a bold team. I still think they take care of business at home against New Mexico and against UNLV to get to the six-win mark. Whether that's enough to actually get into a bowl and, and not just be bowl eligible is to be determined on how some of the other teams in the Mountain West do. But uh, it's going to take a much better effort from everybody on the team uh, to be able to go and beat one of these road opponents because Nevada's going to be two touchdown underdogs in all of these games. They're 13.5-point underdog. Uh, against uh, Wyoming and I think the opportunity was there if the offense showed up to, to beat Utah State and they, they just didn't and that has to be frustrating uh, for the coaching staff is they just can't get everybody moving in the same direction and they can't have all three phases playing well like we saw against Purdue. They're still trying to get back to what we saw in the first game of the regular season. Chris, you had a great article released on Monday. Curse of the second exposure continues. We've seen all three of these quarterbacks. We saw what Malik Henry did against Utah State. He does have a win and a loss now under his belt as a starting quarterback. But moving forward, I mean, what did you like out of what you saw from him against the Aggies? And I mean, do, does Nevada stick with him? Yeah, that's the big question moving forward. I mean, I think he still made the, the throws that make you think, okay, this can be the long-term future of Nevada at quarterback. I mean, he made uh, a tremendous amount of good throws, but the accuracy wasn't there. He had a couple of bad decisions with interceptions. Uh, he did miss a touchdown to Romeo Dubs on the first drive, and that could have you know, changed some things early on, uh, You know, just a bad read there, but not getting a lot of help. So I don't really think it really matters who you put at quarterback. If the offensive line is not going to play better, if they can't establish a run, if they can't protect the quarterback, if they can't get him a snap cleanly, uh, it doesn't matter who they put back there. So it will be interesting to see where they go. I think if they think that Carson Strong is the future of this program moving forward, like Coach Norvell has said, and if Carson Strong is 100% healthy, which we don't really know at this point, I think you put Carson Strong in there and you let him be that future and let him grow. Uh, because this is not a year where you're going to win the West Division. This is not a year uh, where you're going to go out there and win the Mountain West Championship. So why not allow this freshman uh, to go out there and get that experience so when you head into the 2020 season, uh, he's a little bit more prepared than he would be if he sat on the bench for the rest of the season. So uh, that's where I would go, but we will find out tomorrow. Coach Norvell said he'll make his decision. They didn't actually practice today. They almost always practice on a Monday. So it's not like they were giving out first team reps. Uh, you know, they got back late on Saturday, so they gave him an extra day of rest. So there wasn't any urgency to, to figure out who the starting quarterback was going to be uh, today. So we'll see tomorrow who's taking the first string reps, and we'll see who Nevada has pinpointed moving forward. I wouldn't write off Malik Henry totally, um, but there is clearly he still needs to develop on the field, and he still needs a lot of help. Uh, he's not going to single-handedly rescue this offense, which we saw against Utah State.
Chris Murray at Lalo Event Center. I'll be curious to see what happens at practice on Tuesday. Appreciate the time. We'll see you back here. Sounds good. Uh, if you had to be uh, in Jane Orville's shoes, who starts at quarterback for you? You know, I think based off of raw talent, it's Malik Henry. Mm -hmm. I think that he did make some poor decisions in the second half. He threw those interceptions that were pretty costly. Nevada doesn't score on that opening drive, which would have really shifted the entire game altogether. Uh, you, you think about a guy like Christian Solano, I think he's more of the leader in the locker room right now as a quarterback. I know he dealt with injury early on. He didn't have a good showing against Hawaii. He did play well against UTEP. And then you think about the future and Carson Strong. You know, he has that big power five win against Purdue, the composure that he showed, but he has been dinged up. And like Chris said, you know, you, you gain a lot of experience, I think, from actual in-game action. And I think moving forward, Nevada could benefit a lot from starting Carson Strong, but... I think if they were trying to win some more games down the stretch, you got to go with Malik Henry. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, a good look at the new look Wolfpack men's basketball team. Good to see 14 back out on the floor, though. Lindsey Drew leading a bunch of new faces at the Lawler Event Center floor. We'll hear from Coach Alford up next. Welcome back into NSN Daily here on a Monday. A nice little... Uh, Weekend for Wolfpack basketball. You know, it was nice to see this team finally get out on the court, play somebody else. Of course, it's a lower-tier team and an exhibition, but uh, what were your initial impressions of, uh, of Nevada beating Cal State East Bay? This was exciting. You know, we've talked so much, and this has been such a, an off-season filled with storylines. Yeah. I mean, you get the, the loss of Coach Muss, the hiring of Steve Alford, the whole transfer pool, who stayed, who goes, who's coming back, who's recruited. Um, to me, though, I, I was really impressed with a couple of people. Zane Meek starting out first and foremost. True freshman. He had a double-double in this one. We'll, we'll dive into him a little bit later. Lindsey Drew, first time back since February of 2018 in his injury that he had. He had a big bucket right there and an and one that kind of got the ball rolling for Nevada. They were down early and uh, they went on a 10-zip run. Jalen Harris knocking down that three right there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's such a, a different-looking team altogether, and I, I didn't know what to expect, but can't be mad at a 29-point win, right? No, absolutely not. And if you don't recognize him, yep, that's Nisrae Zuzwa. Look at the fresh cut going. And, uh, yep, we're going to learn more about Zane Meeks, the true freshman at about 6'9", can stretch the floor, had a great debut in the silver and blue as Nevada beats Cal State East Bay 81 to 52. Went to the free throw line 39 times in this one. And Coach Alford in the, in the soundbite you're going to hear in a second says, it's not pretty, but if you want to win, that's how you win basketball games. It's free points at the line. Here's head coach Steve Alford after Nevada's win on Saturday. Just really pleased because we got to play somebody else, a good team, a well-coached team. They came at us. They did a lot of good things, both offensively and defensively. Uh, and we had to play. We had to really compete. So I think that was a good thing because we got a lot of guys going through it for the first time. Lindsey, first time in almost 18, 20 months. Um, and then you got a lot of new guys other than Jazz and Niz. Um, but really pleased with Niz. I thought he gave us a huge boost at both ends. Zane for a freshman, 14 rebounds. And, and the job he did on the glass was tremendous. So and then I, I really liked what I saw of Jalen because Jalen's one of those guys, transfer guys, that has had to sit out. Um, and he's learning to play through mistakes instead of harbor them. Um, and I thought he did a really good job of having a really tough stretch in the second half. Uh, we took him out, we brought him back, and I thought he was tremendous after that. And that, that shows growth out of a, a key player as well. So overall, I thought did a lot of good things. You get to the line 39 times, that's going to, you know, it may not look like pretty offense, but that's good offense when you shoot that many free throws.
So a little storyline in this one. Cal State East Bay opens up the game on an 8-0 run in front of Nevada's fans who are probably going, oh my gosh, what is this? And Cal State East Bay finishes the first half with 15 points. Yeah, Nevada just with a, a monstrous 27-7 run to close out the first half. And you can't talk about that without bringing up Nisre Zuzwa. Mm -hmm. And what a story this kid's had. I mean, really struggled last year. He's a 1,000-point scorer in college basketball. Didn't really find a rhythm under Coach Muss. He led the team at halftime with eight points. He hit two dagger threes at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, just talking to him afterwards, you could just see the excitement on his face to – to finally have that relief, you know, to finally have mm -hmm. big moments for this team and just to contribute. Um, I, I think that that's something that's really been eating at him in the offseason. You know, and I think he doubted himself. And I think, I don't know if it was because of, you know, how much he was used or the lack of how much he was used uh, last year at Nevada. But to see him smiling after hitting a three-pointer, the big smile on his face, that was pretty cool. He, we had a chance to catch up with Nizre Zuzwa at the post-game press conference Saturday night. When uh, Coach Alfred came in, he just told me that he had, believes in me and just to put last season behind and just focus on getting better and being the best player that you can be. So I really just buckled down and just really got in the gym and just every single day just working out, just trying to work on my game, be comfortable, watched a lot of film, like even in the limited minutes that I did play last year, I watched film and I was just brutally like hard on myself to just come back and just do better. Nisere was 16 points in this one, five rebounds, two of three from beyond the arc. Um, I love seeing Kane Milling. Kane Milling is one of the freshman guards you saw there, number 11, coming right down the middle and a little left-handed kick out to this rate twice, the exact same pass twice, and he hits both of those those three-pointers, but uh, good for Nisrae. Yeah, definitely good for Nisrae to kind of get that under his belt, get some confidence going forward, especially with one more exhibition before the season starts, but another person that we have to talk about, Zane Meeks, freshman. Uh, I know that he didn't really stand out, I think, for a lot of ways uh, to, to fans going into the season. But first college basketball game, first double-double for this kid, 14 rebounds, 10 points. I know Murray was being asked if, you know, he's the second coming of Nick Fazekas or Jordan Caroline. I think it's still really early right, let's on. Let's give the kid a little time <laughs> yeah, here, right? On, on that one. But uh, he was really impressive. He seemed like he was all over the court and uh, really stood out for me as, as the uh, the best freshman on the court, even though, you know, K.J. Himes has gotten all the accolades early on in the season. Well, and a big body. I mean, they list him at, I believe they list him at 6'9". If you can be 6'9 and do this and stretch the floor, uh, you're going to be a weapon. And, uh, you know, Coach Halford, uh, we've seen his style of recruiting. And maybe not guys that have been uh, super high big star players, but somebody who I think you look at and go, all right, imagine this kid in three years. What's he going to be like? as a junior at Nevada, uh, but could not have had a better uh, better debut. And talking about a great debut, Jalen Harris, who has sat out, he's waited his time, transferred from Louisiana Tech, and Harris comes out and has a monster game for Nevada, 21 points, eight rebounds for the, uh, the combo guard who can play probably two or three positions, if not more. But it was really neat to see Jalen Harris get out there and fill it up. Yeah, you know, especially after sitting out a whole year, I remember – Last season, when they were cutting down the nets in Lawler, Coach Muss actually went up to Jalen Harris and said, this is your team next year. This is going to be your moment. And, and you know, Jalen Harris, I know, had that huge dilemma. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go somewhere else and sit out another year? But he stuck with the pack. And, you know, this is the talent that I think a lot of us were expecting to see out of him. This is his basketball team, I would say. And, you know, he has to play really well for this team to produce this season, especially because I think my biggest takeaway, Nevada looks very young this year. You mm -hmm. know, you, you lose the three-headed monster in the Martin Twins and Jordan Caroline. 
Packer older than the Phoenix Suns last season, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways. And this is definitely a, a team that Coach Alford is going to try to develop through the years, and it's going to be interesting to see how well they do in his first season. I, I'm going to, I'm curious to see how quickly they gel. And I mean, this is against lesser competition. We're going to find out a lot more when they play Utah in their actual season opener. They do have Colorado Christian coming in uh, on Wednesday night, but this is a good time to see some development because a lot of these guys haven't been here. They just haven't been at this level. And Coach Alford saying on multiple occasions that I want to see these guys go through the game routine. That's why he wanted to make these both exhibitions in front of fans, uh, nothing behind closed doors. Sometimes they have those little scrimmages behind closed doors. He wanted it to be in front of fans, in front of students. And Nevada will get a chance to get back out on the court on Wednesday night. Colorado Christian, I'll be honest, I don't know the darn thing about Colorado Christian, but uh, 7.30 p.m. And if you're Colorado, Colorado Christian, you have to probably feel Maybe the same way Cal State East Bay does. Hey, we have a chance to go in and play, a not a Power 5 team, but a team that was ranked in the top 10 last year at time, had Final Four aspirations, and we get to play them on their, on their home court, and that could, be, that could be fun. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, you know, it's, it's been such a, a long off season. You have a couple of weeks of practice leading into these exhibitions, and I think a lot of these players are just excited to, to take on somebody else, you mm -hmm. know, play a team in an actual game-like environment, see some actual minutes, and, and, you know, go through the runs. I mean, Coach... Alford was talking about this, you know, Cal State East Bay comes out with an 8-0 run. Nevada goes on the run of their own and, and how these teams handle adversity. I think that that's really the biggest takeaway you would have early on in the season. You know, how well does this team face that adversity and what do they do with that? And I think that he learned that from Cal State East Bay. He's going to learn more about his team against Colorado Christian. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, we'll head out to the pitch where Reno 1868, they've done it. They have punched their ticket. The best season in program history but it's not over yet folks playoffs are coming up well the season in the united soccer league it is not a sprint it is certainly a marathon reno 1868 had a chance to uh, clinch that number two seed highest seed ever in franchise history they went to Tulsa and got the job done. Yes, they did. They needed some help for Fresno losing. Fresno eventually did succeed and, and lose that match. But Reno 1868 this season, I mean, you got to tip your cap. 18 wins. That's a club record. 60 points on the year. That's another club record. And they finished in the highest that they've ever finished in franchise history, which is second place overall in the USL Western Conference. And they have not only earned themselves one home playoff match, but if they were to win that, they would get a second one back at home. And uh, by the look of the standings right now, it's going to be the winner of El Paso and Fresno. Fresno's really struggled the last couple of matches. El Paso played in Reno a couple of weeks ago. It ended in a draw, which uh, I think surprised a lot of 1868 fans. This is a very, you know, impressive locomotive team in the second half of the season. Very dangerous. So I think if you're Reno 1868, you want to potentially play Fresno because they've had a sluggish, sluggish couple of weeks, but El Paso, uh, you know, they, they have split the series with them this year and uh, should be interesting, but tip your cap, Ian Russell. Wow. Doing a great job. Third clean sheet in a row for Reno 1868, ninth on the season. Matt Persano picked up uh, this one, but uh, for me, the biggest deal is that they're going to play at home, and as you can see on the graphic there, can host up to two playoff games in this one. The first one will be October 26th at 5.15 p.m. Western Conference quarterfinals at uh, Greater Nevada Field. What do you think? I mean, you've been on the sidelines for, for all of these games, Julian. Why are they so good at home? I mean, understanding, okay, you're sleeping in your own bed. You're, you're 
you're familiar with the environment. You've got the, the crowd behind you, but they are stellar at home. I think they just love playing at Greater Nevada Field. And I, I, you look at the, the last stretch of the season for the soccer club, Corey Herzog ends his year with 18 goals. He ties Dane Kelly for that franchise record. And then Danny Mazowski in the second half of the season after coming back from an injury and that goal that he shot right there was just filthy. He had a hat trick in that match. He looks um, mad. He does. He, he was playing pretty angry in that game. But, you know, it, it's really impressive to, to see because this is such this is a development league. And this is a lot of development players trying to make a name for themselves, trying to get called up to the San Jose Quakes. And week after week, Ian Russell still puts 11 guys on the field and gets these results. And he's gotten better, much like wine, with age. And I'm really excited to see them play in the playoffs. They finally got their first playoff win last year. Can they make it two playoff wins this year? You know, what's their ceiling is we'll find out but uh, a lot to be excited about at greater nevada field with this team i just think they're a group of guys that like playing with each other too they like to they like just enjoying the beautiful game and and there's such a great camaraderie inside the locker room and you have to give credit to the coaching staff at ian russell when it comes to that because this isn't like the triple a franchise of the diamondbacks where the players are picked up by the diamondbacks the earthquakes do not go out and recruit these players it's the coaching staff and ian russell that go out and recruit these players and you have to recruit personalities as well as talent and he's been able to bring all those guys together if you want to check it out reno1868fc.com or go to the uh, the ballpark box office right there at greater nevada field it's going to be october 26th 5 15 p.m game and you can bet this young man will be on the sidelines covering this one for us here at nevada sportsnet coming up next here on nsn daily the 49ers are 6-0 for the first time since 1990. how old was julian not born not born yet not born Wrapping things up here on NSN Daily, the San Francisco 49ers are 6-0 for the first time since 1990, as we said, uh, going to break two years before you were born. Yeah, I was minus two years old at that I point. I was a senior in high school, so that kind of tells you where we're at around here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, talk about, I mean, the, this is fun football conditions, I think, for the players, especially if you're winning, but just sloppy guys sliding all over the place, nobody on offense could do basically a thing. The Niners get three field goals from Robbie Gould, end up winning this one nine to nothing in our nation's capital. Watch Adrian Peterson hits the sideline here and he is on a slip and slide. And of course, Robbie Gould would uh, nail it down here with that third field goal. The Nick Bosa sack at the end of this one to me, Julian. Uh, going into the slide here. Guys, Niners are having fun right now, mm -hmm. and they're winning. Yeah, they're winning football games. I actually, I was a non-believer until they beat the Rams last week. I'm still skeptical. I mean, a 9-0 win against a one-win Redskins team isn't something that really pops out at me, especially if you don't score any touchdowns. And I say that because I jumped on the Niners train. I picked up Jimmy Garoppolo on my fantasy football team. Sidebar, nobody cares about my fantasy football team. Nope. But, you know, 12 of 21, 151 yards, one interception. The offense has to get going. And a but downpour. This, yeah, yeah. It rained for two days. Three, three, uh, come on. Yeah, 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 give me that. Niners hosting the Panthers next. Uh, Panthers are 4-2, and two, but they're 3-0 and oh, uh, away from home. Uh, mm -hmm. Niners uh, will be facing Kyle Allen in this one and not Cam Newton, who's still out with that foot injury. Thanks for joining us here on NSN Daily. Brian and Bo in the control room. Thanks.